And now, our feature presentation. Oh, what is that? How sweet it is. That is a, uh, that's a V8. Does sound like a V8. Are you going to tell me what it, what it powers? You walked right by it. Your 392. Mm. Oh, with the new Magnaflow exhaust. So that would be the uh, 21 to 23 Jeep Wrangler Street Series Catback Performance Exhaust System from Magnaflow. Oh, so uh, really? I went down there uh, a week and a half ago, and they replaced my bashed-in muffler with a very compact bundle of snakes. I saw some photos that you posted at Sean P. Holman on the mm-hmm. gram, and Wow, when you say a bundle of snakes, you're not joking. In order to weave around and get through those exhaust valves, so to speak, so, so they can have quiet mode so and, has, uh, and loud and obnoxious mode. It has the valves. Uh-huh. Um, it has, uh, f- I guess it, technically, it's five muffler chambers on it. So it's <laughs> okay. the rear one. There's two in line after the crossover. And then there's uh, two helm holds uh, chambers offset. So when you look at it, if you go to my uh, my Instagram, you'll see that I put the stock exhaust side by side. And when you look at the stock exhaust, you're like, wow, how did they get all that in there? And then you look at the Magnaflow exhaust, you go, holy crap. Okay, because it's all exposed. It's, it's literally, no, not even because it's exposed. No, but you, you can see the artistry. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's that some of that stuff is packed in the stock exhaust, right? Like there might be, uh, it might loop back on itself, but it's hidden inside a canister. The Magnaflow is all out for you to see. Uh, it's it's all gorgeous stainless steel. It's CNC precision welded. The welds are gorgeous on it. Everything about it, it it's just like super high quality. And they don't use slip fittings. They use flanges, mm-hmm. which is awesome and uh, you know keeps it from uh, from leaking and all that. The only thing I'm worried about is it's got four inch tips on it. Which look badass. Now, do they offer them pre-bashed? Uh, no. Just to save you the no. heartache. So I, at some <laughs> point, I may have to go to our friend Rich over there and go, can I have them re-welded a little deeper in there? Because there's a few three or four inches before they get welded on. So I, I would have liked to have a removable tip or had it pushed back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But my God, the sound on the highway. Oh, my, when you get into it, it's just so smooth. Well, then why did you play a clip of it just idling in your driveway? Uh, because I don't have a clip of it driving because I'm in the car. You'll just have to take a video of me driving by or something. Maybe at the end of this show, you can treat yourself to a little Holman on the gas. You mean at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at maybe, night and piss maybe, off all the neighbors? Maybe that's what I'm saying. It's you don't de- like the neighbors next door. It's Who definitely... Cares? I like them just fine. It's they're the ones with the issue. Listen, <laughs> I am... It's hard to stay out of the gas. Let me just say that. it's It just... It just beckons that you go deeper, and it's like smooth. This is a three-inch tubing, a true crossover. The muffler, just the, I mean, literally, it looks like a bundle of snakes. It's got an H-pipe, correct? uh, This has a crossover X-pipe, and it also has uh, their integrated NDT technology, so that keeps the droning down at the uh, lower engine speeds. And, man, when it opens up and wails, it's, it's so good. My favorite, though, is paddle shifters. From like 60, you know, when you're in like sixth gear and you're like, it's like a mix of tires chirping and Uh the exhaust screaming. You're teasing the audience right now. It's it's so good. It's uncool. All right, here's, here's, uh, here's one more for you. And the rattling you hear is actually the vibration rattling the license plate against the bumper. Oh, well, then you know you can buy, uh, who makes that? 
I bought some pads that you can put under the it's license Velcro. plate. Velcro. Just put the soft Velcro on there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to do something about that license well, plate. Well, it only does it on startups. You yeah. can't hear it while you're driving or anything. It's so smooth. Although, so, okay, this might have happened yesterday. I, you bashed the pipes already. No. Oh. No. Why, why would you? How dare you? No, I was driving. And there was a douchey kid who was probably like in his mid twenties <laughs> in a Forerunner TRD Pro, and it was all done up, thirty threes, high end build on it, had it, all his windows down, and he was bumping like gangster rap. And I pulled up next to him, and that dude just wanted to go, and I took him to the speed he, limit. Listen, that's a nice truck, but it's slow. Exactly. I'm like, what? What are you like? Why are you picking on the three ninety two, dude? And so you know what uh, you know, our friend Rory Connell? Yes. He's got the good term for that uh, truck. It's a four point slow. It is, it is definitely a four point slow. And he wanted some Holman? Here, I'll play this for you. The the audio is horrible because it came from my dash cam. This is the only way you're gonna get to hear it. So the dude like tried to launch, you know, tried to boat race me off the line, and I just walked him. Like it wasn't so then I slowed, we hit like 45, 48, and I slowed down and he wouldn't even pull up next to me. <laughs> and I kept slowing down to force him to come next to me, uh-huh. and he wouldn't do it. So he thought you were just a regular old JL with a 3.6. How can you pull up and hear that beautiful Magnaflow exhaust and not... Because he was bumping gangster rap, uh, that's why. You right. just answered your own question. Listen. I love how the uh, the input, the, the, the microphone on your... Well, it's my window's down. Oh, is that why the yeah, yeah, yeah. window's hitting it and yeah. causing it to break up? So it's just the interior mic. So it's not, there's a little clip in there where you can hear how sweet it sounds. And uh, anyway, so we'll, we'll have to get a, a righteous clip of me uh, driving by. But man, that thing is... I, I'm, I'm super impressed. So uh, check out uh, magnaflow.com if you guys are looking for a really high-end, just beautiful exhaust. I mean, it's... It's, uh, I'm impressed. Call me a fan. I mean, it's, uh, this is my first, uh, experience with, uh, Megaflow in one of my personal vehicles. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's damn good. But how does it compare to this? <laughs> I, I think it compares just fine. Yeah, it does. You might have a little supercharger wind up front, but. Yeah. Uh, all right, I got one more uh, one more present for you, or surprise, or you're not going to like it, or you will. I don't know. Oh, right. oh, he's busting out glassware. Okay, what's right. going on here? This is more your style. We had the, uh, the the island rooster, the chicken cock island rooster, and you made like- um, Funny faces. Y- you look like you're eating poop or something like mm-hmm. that, or acid, or gasoline, or ethanol. More, yeah, ethanol. All right, you're an LBC guy. Sure. This is Dirty Prospector distilled in Long Beach. No kidding. So this is your hometown distillery right here. A uh, guy by the name of Steve that I enjoy smoke with uh, from time to time at the club. He said, hey, we've got our new bottles. This is batch six. These are basically a single barrel batch aged in apple brandy barrels. So basically it's a whiskey. So I'll read off the back here. So it's 49% alcohol by volume, 98 proof. Does not taste like it. It's really good. So it says, a true local small batch of whiskey made proudly in Long Beach, California. Dirty Prospector whiskey embodies the California gold rush in a bottle. As the 1849 prospectors traveled far and wide for the opportunity to strike gold, we searched far and wide for the best barrels to amplify the character and identity of each release. Each offering is a unique, nuanced, and meaningful expression of our whiskey that displays possibilities and the full potential of each oak barrel matured for at least 49 days. Long Beach in the house! 
So I, I uh, he gave me a bottle. Uh, they're fans of the Truck Show podcast, and he said, "I want you and Lightning to try this uh, on the air." We know he's a he's a Long Beach guy. All right, let me move some and of this so, up. And uh, so you don't have to make a bunch of noise. I'm sorry, I'm just moving the stuff out of the way so you can pour into the glass. Here. Right, there we go. All right. Ooh. All right. That's a beautiful bottle, by the way. Oh yeah. That's uh, that's looking good. Okay. That might be too much for you. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, we'll do it. All, All right. right. To uh, to Long Beach, local Long Beach whiskey. LBC. Bottoms up. Right, Here we bottoms go. Up. Are we sipping? Are we, are we giving it no, uh, the is, nose? This is a sipper. Yeah, I got to give it the nose. Okay. Smell Ooh, that yeah. apple, right? Oh, yeah. Nice. Right away. Holy mackerel. It's, it's really smooth. All right. Okay. Here we go. All right, we're going to try. Here we go. Ooh. Taste that apple in the front and side of your tongue. Oh, that's good. Caramel, butterscotch, apple. That's pretty amazing, wow. right? Wow. That's impressive. That came from Long Beach, dude. Holy mackerel. That's way better than anything you did in Long Beach. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Maybe a clothing store or mm. something. It's really like like super caramel smooth. and butterscotch up front, but it does not. It's 98% or 98 alcohol by volume. What it, is it? Uh, just, a, just a hint of like candy. Yeah. 98 proof. So wow. yeah, 49%. It's really good. Yeah, this is good. I'm going to... I'm gonna, uh... Drink right. this throughout so, the night. So wow. any of you guys who are uh, whiskey Strong, what, guys, what's the guy's out name there? again from Long Beach? Uh, Steve. Steve. And so uh, it's it's Dirty Prospector Willie's Tin Shop Distillery. This is a limited batch number six, non chill filtered, and this is the uh, one with the green label that's been aged in apple uh, brandy barrels, which you can ap- you don't always taste it. Sometimes it impacts the flavor, but you don't taste what's actually was in those barrels. This one you do. So you can go to um, uh, I believe it's uh, their hashtag is Dirty Whiskey. Uh, on the Instagram, and <laughs> dirty it's uh, dirtyprospector.com. One of the best whiskeys I've had in a long time. Damn, that is good. Yeah. Wow. And I don't know much about whiskey. And you don't even like whiskey that much. And I'm, this I'm, bottle- I'm sucking that down. This might be my favorite whiskey ever. That's mm. how much I like it. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. LBC in the house. So here's the thing about uh, Nissan Frontier spotting. Is it you blew could... up our freaking <laughs> Slow inbox? down! Slow down! Oh my God, dude. Okay. I don't even- I don't have time for a day job anymore. All I'm doing is like hand- Well- I, I probably shouldn't say this. I got Amila in my office uh-huh. to help me import all of the addresses and put them on labels. Because mm. before, for the first like 60 or 70 envelopes, I was handwriting everything. Yeah. And I realized that that was just probably not a good use of my time. Mm. So I asked Amila and I gave her the printouts. She spits it out. I still hand sign every little note. You don't know this, but... It's, I do. It's, I saw it on Instagram. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I put a little handwritten note with a couple of stickers and sent mm. them off and we've done a bunch. You guys are gonna have to slow down because I'm gonna have to get like a part time job or hire someone to help. So uh, I'll just go through really quick some of the ones that are sitting in our inbox. Yeah, and, and by the way, for you guys that don't know, if you spot a frontier from the cab of your truck, take a photo of it, email it to truckshowpodcast.gmail.com, and stickers will end up in the mail to oh. you, assuming you give us your address. By the way, that reminds me, I, this is a, a hilarious DM uh, exchange that that you might appreciate. So uh, one of our listeners, Ryan uh, Cornbloom, goes by uh, Ryan Corny, I think, here on on the gram. So he sends me a uh, a picture, and he goes, "Does this count for frontier spotting?" And it's him with the camera over his shoulder, with a little itty bitty tiny frontier <laughs> way back behind him. And I go, "Eh, lol." Then he takes a picture in a uh, Chevy heavy duty mirror, and he goes, "Eh," and it's a little <laughs> closer. There's another one that's a little closer. Uh-huh. And I went, "Eh, good effort," because dang, okay, I'll get one better. So then he takes a picture of one driving by him, and he goes, eh? 
So I wrote back, eh. He goes, eh. <laughs> so so he, what, is this E-H-H-H-H? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's in Canada, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so, yeah. anyway. And so the funny thing is that the, the pictures of different frontiers kept getting closer uh-huh. through that whole exchange. So it was, it was pretty And funny. your was ass got it. smaller and his eh? got longer. Eh? He's like, what do you mean? I didn't get a damn picture. <laughs> Uh, I think I already sent him stickers, didn't I? I think you did. Like yeah, I this did. doesn't count. Yeah. He's, he's just he's in the bonus round right now. Got it. All right. Uh, so I'm going to read off real quick because there's a bunch of them. Matthew uh, Turman writes, Lightning Holman spotted this guy from my 2011 Silverado while dropping my son off at daycare in Boehm, Texas. His words were, I like that black truck, Dad. We both love the show and we give it five stars. Hashtag Frontier Spotting. Five star review. Five stars. Thanks, dude. All right, I got this one here from uh, Brian Crockett, and uh, Brian says, took this from the cab of my 2018 HD 2500 with 215,000 miles and a six liter. Still doing great. Oof. And it's uh, it's one of the green ones that you like that color. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The, the forest green? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a nice one. That's a good look on it. It's uh, from, from, uh, from Bradley uh, Bates. I got one from Rich Humphreys says, uh, The day I sent this, my wife finally went to the mailbox and to my lovely surprise, a letter from Banks. I got giddy as I slapped that on my pickup. <laughs> Thank you guys again for an amazing show. Rich. So there's uh, one of our uh, listeners who ended up getting uh, his stickers. People are freaked out that after all these years, we actually sent something that we'd, we said we were going to send. Well, it's a lot easier to send a sticker than as a t-shirt. It's true. I got this one here from uh, Brian Betts says, Here's a pic of my Frontier from my Freightliner Columbia. It's a reliable three-pedal glider truck. No DEF. I know you guys have to tow the party line on emission systems and on pickups. They might work pretty well. But from what I see from trucks running nearly 24 hours a day, the DEF-equipped trucks have a lot more problems and are down for repairs. Quite frequently, my truck just chugs along happy. The show is fun, but sometimes I wish you would let the guests speak more and pull back a little bit. What do I know, though? I'm not doing anything successful like a podcast, so take it for what it's worth. And that's uh, Brian Betts. By the way, we never said that you couldn't take a photo of your own Frontier from your own truck. No, and people have. Yeah. Ben Klaus is a light man and holting. Okay. It's sort of like a syllable mix-up. I snagged this pic of my neighbor's new Frontier while driving my Junker 01 XJ. There are a couple of new Frontiers in my neighborhood, both Pro 4 Xs. That's definitely what I'd get. I'm a sucker for the off-road trim. I'm looking to get my first truck this summer, but I do have an 05 LJ Rubicon for the trails. Pick attached. If I didn't need to be able to tow my Wrangler, I'd look at either Frontier or Gladiator since I won't need that much truck most of the time. But with goals to tow out to places like Moab and out west, I want something I can tow a bit more comfortably. I'm looking for a DS Ram 1500, just hoping to come across one with the perfect combination of add-ons. Wish me luck. That's uh, Ben from uh, Wisconsin. And uh, he's got a, a picture of uh, that uh, metallic sandy beige frontier Ooh, that you really like. Oh, yes. That's, so a, good. That's, a pr- that's a pretty sweet one, so too. good. Thanks, Ben Clow. And I'll do one more here. Uh, we've got one from uh, Ken Mead says, uh, saw this today. Parked on the side of the road, mount those parameters. Mounter, monitor, key, engine, parameters. And it's, yeah, that's the uh, red eye, like the cardinal red tricoat. Oh, dude, it looks so good on the frontier. All right, so now that we've excited you to uh, go out and search for frontiers, you should uh, see if one is right for you. The frontier starts at 29,370, but for a really nicely equipped, the crew cab Pro 4X starts at 38,900, under 40 grand. For a super capable, super reliable mid-sized truck, of course, if you need something bigger, you got the Titan, the Titan XD. Those have the industry's best warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles. Head on down to your local Nissan dealer or head over to NissanUSA.com where you can build and price. This uh, Instagram DM comes to at LBC Lightning from Frank Peterson, apparently one of our listeners. Hey, Lightning, I've been listening to TSP since the beginning. I love Banks products, just FYI. I have a question for you. 
I have a 2018 Sierra 2500 with a Duramax. I already have a Derringer tuner. I have an iDash Super Gauge and a Ram Air intake. But I'm thinking about getting either a Pedal Monster or a 5-inch Monster exhaust. I'm leaning toward the Pedal Monster, but I want your opinion. I tow a 14,000-pound trailer about once a month with the truck. Thanks, and yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy! All right, well, this is actually kind of a tough one because for the driving experience... I would recommend the Pedal Monster first. Holman's driven with the Pedal Monster. It's an instant difference. I mean, from the moment you turn it on, the driving experience is improved. However, you're towing, you need power, and you need fuel economy. I lean towards the 5-inch Monster exhaust because you will pick up some efficiency. It allows your engine to put more power to the ground and not waste energy trying to push exhaust gas out during the exhaust. But it's not going to be as noticeable as a Pedal Monster. No, so that's why I'm torn, because if you put a pedal monster in, you will instantly feel, I mean, it's dramatic. Dude, I just put one in, in a, I was telling Holman before we started the show, in a 23 Forerunner TRD off-road, and the guy hadn't really heard of Banks, and because Banks isn't a big name in Toyotas, and he came by the shop, put one on, and he was like, oh my, I, actually, I have his text, you're not going to believe this is real, hold on a second. So he texted me a few minutes after he left, and he says, Holy mackerel, gonna be your new brand ambassador for Forerunners. There you go. I mean, like, that's legit yeah, for man. a guy who was relatively unfamiliar with banks. So, I, I don't know, Holman, what would you, you know, both pieces of equipment that banks offers? Would you recommend the five inch monster exhaust or the pedal monster? You're leaning towards the pedal monster. I mean, if you want daily drivability, pedal monster. If you want a little bit more efficiency, Go Monster Exhaust. The Pedal Monster is not going to help you with efficiency because you're going to be dipping into it more. A little so bit. you're actually going to probably lose a little bit of fuel economy just from your driving style. Not because it does anything to the truck, but because your driving style will change. It's just like having a heavier foot a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and, and Monster Exhaust can help it breathe easier, so you'll probably get a little boost in fuel economy. So what's more important, having a little more efficiency or having a little more drivability? If you can answer that question, that'll tell you which product to get. So, Frank, we didn't really answer your question, but I think we're going I, to Of course decide- we did. I just said he has to answer his two no, questions. No, 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 but he wanted, he wanted us to answer I, for We him. just did. No, we didn't. If you want efficiency, yeah. get the monster exhaust. If you want drivability, get the pedal monster. But what if he can't decide? We just told he him. He wanted us to Flip decide coin. for him. <laughs> exactly. Here's how you solve it. You go to bankspower.com. You type in 2018 GMC Sierra 2500 HD with a 6.6 liter Duramax diesel, and you choose the part that pops up first. All right, uh, a product that won't require a, uh, a coin flip uh, is a set of new Bilstein <laughs> shocks. They are a no-brainer. If your truck has tired, worn out, leaky shocks, and your truck's all over the road, then you want to head to uh, BilsteinUS.com. When the road runs out, Bilstein shocks will keep you going. They've got ride height adjustable 5100s to the dual tube external bypass B8 8100. They offer a wide range of direct fit options, giving you more time on the trail and less time in the garage. And even if you've got somebody else's old clapped out uh, lift kit, Bilstein has a lot of applications that will replace those uh, crappy white shocks that are rusting out with a beautiful monotube that's going to give you a, a lifetime of service. And don't worry, if you're not an off-roader, Bilstein's will also help you out on the road, especially if you tow. Bilstein puts an emphasis on comfort and durability, and that is the name of their game. They do not compromise on control. You can't get a better shock, in my opinion. BilsteinUS.com. So, Holman, I bolt on my Bilstein's. I go into the forest, and I get lost. What do I do? Die. <laughs> what if I have on X off road? Oh well, then you won't. You'll you'll find your way out. And if that's the case, I just thought you know you were you, you know, all me. by yourself. Yeah, I thought no, it was you. No, no, I've got on X, so I'm, I'm oh, good. Okay. Because because what I did is the weekend prior, yeah, I planned out my entire route on my laptop 
and then I synced it with all of my devices. And then when I plugged it in my CarPlay on my truck, yeah. I was gold because I could see the route in advance. I didn't have any cell reception. Didn't matter because I downloaded the map right to my phone, and it just I don't need any connectivity. So are you saying that Onyx is the off-road map app that's built for adventure? I think I did. All right. <laughs> uh, you can discover off-road trails. You can save maps for offline use like Lightning did in his uh, hypothetical situation, mm-hmm. which probably was true once. Uh, you can track, save, and share trips. You can also find out uh, public and private land info, customize your map with markups, and, of course, sync with CarPlay and Android Auto. There's a bunch of new features that you're going to love. Route Builder is a new game-changing in-app or on your browser feature, you can plan your entire route on your laptop. It'll automatically show across all your devices that are logged in with uh, with your info. So whether you have it on your iPad, like I do, or your iPhone, like I do, or your Mac, like I do, whatever you change in one, changes in all of them. I actually did it on my PC at home, mm-hmm. and then I used it on my iPhone in my truck. The new feature is available to both premium and elite members. You can head over to onxoffroad.com and find out more, or you can go to your... Uh, Mobile devices, respective uh, online app stores, such as the uh, Apple App Store or Google Play Store, and you can download the app right there. One of my favorite products that I use when I go out adventuring, Onyx has been an absolute, not only a lifesaver, but it has made planning trips and guiding trips and helping people along. It's I fun. Use it, I use it for everything that I do. And it's fun, though. It is fun. And in fact, I've used Onyx. They've got a great satellite overlay on top of, you know, a photorealistic satellite overlay on top of like the topo maps. You can use 3D mode. There's a few things that I was looking for in the desert that I was able to find that landmark using the 3D flyover feature on Onyx. It's, it's a great product and uh, we appreciate the support of the Truck Show Podcast. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck the truck rides with the truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning <laughs> and Holman. <laughs> See, now you didn't have to pot me down that time. Uh, yeah, you did a good job. Yeah. I, I heard a couple of OOs. They were nice. They were in harmony with the music. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, I just got back from uh, Detroit. I was there for uh, 10 hours. That sounds like an awful trip. I left at uh, Sunday on the red eye from LAX. Mm-hmm. I arrived in the morning at a Detroit airport, and uh, they had a room for me. And then I slept for a couple hours, and then a, a shuttle bus picked me up. I went to uh, look at the brand new full lineup of uh, Ford Ranger midsize trucks. I was there for about two hours, and they dropped me back off the airport, and I was home less than 24 hours after I had left. So, so it, I don't know what day it is right it, now. It all sucks except for I got to see the new truck, the Ranger parts. So the new truck is uh, it's pretty great. Uh, this was this is the new uh, I guess it would be the sixth gen. And it does share the platform with the Bronco, so there's going to be some familiar bits underneath and things like that. Although on the Ranger, it has a more payload, higher gross vehicle, weight rating that's a you know is a function of wheelbase. Uh, the Ranger, except for the Ranger Raptor, which has a uh, a Watts linkage and coil springs, uses leaf springs in the back. Outboard shocks now, kind of stolen from uh, F-150. They've been doing that for a number of years. And there's a lot of really neat things that they did. This truck was imagined for the North American market from day one, whereas the last truck was Ranger got killed in North America. The Ranger was still successful everywhere else. 
They went, oh, crap, we need a midsize truck because midsize is taking off again. And so they kind of made the old international truck work in America. Oh. This new truck is was uh, was North American in mind from day one. It's two inches uh, more wheelbase, I think. It's two inches wider, which means that you can now fit a flat four by eight sheet of plywood between the wheel wells. So the last generation couldn't fit a uh, sheet of four by eight plywood in the back. That would you you could, but it would be at an angle. At an angle, yeah. So that's not good for drywall and things like that, right? You want to have that stuff flat. So it's when it ends up on the freeway, and I run over it. Exactly. So now they uh, they can accommodate that. There's some great features uh, on board, and now uh, I was pretty sure they're just going to have one engine. They now have three engines. So the uh, the 2.3 liter that you are uh, know and love in today's Ranger is still there. They added the 2.7 V6 from the F-150. And now you can get that. That thing's going to be a screamer. So that's the turbo. That's the turbo V6, the 2.7. Okay. And then, but the they're all turbos. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they, I forgot the 2.3. Turbo, and then yeah. the uh, the Raptor version of the uh, Ranger gets uh, the 3.0 liter 405 horse out of the Bronco. That's the truck that everyone was talking about last week. Like, it, that blew up all of my yeah. feeds. What? It's real? They're doing the Ranger Raptor? Are you serious? And you look yeah. at it, and it is badass. Oh, it's awesome. And it starts at 58, which is a lot cheaper than, you know, the F-150 Raptor. Obviously not going to have as much wheel travel. The Bronco Raptor has 37s. The Ranger Raptor has 33s. So it's geared a little bit more toward overlanding and things like that. Not as much as this like uh, raucous, you know, go sideways and blast through. I mean, you can do all that stuff, but Bronco has kind of taken that crown in, right. in the the Raptor realm. But for a midsize truck, you start looking at TRD Pro and Trail Hunter coming out for Tacoma. You start looking at the the new Colorado and Canyon with the uh, the AT4 and ZR2 packages. With 33s. I, I mean, was wondering how th- it would stack up against that one specifically. Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty hardcore race. And then you add 35s with the AV package. I mean, the midsize truck market is blowing up right now. There is, there's going to be so much choice out there. It's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, there's a few things that I wish they would have done. They do have a... A big screen in the middle. Uh, the dash is very square now. Can I ask a dumb question? Is it vertical or horizontal? It's, I don't it's vertical. Okay. And the it doesn't have that Klingon head on there anymore like the old uh, dash did where it was looked like you know, a Fiesta from you know 10 years ago <laughs> or whatever, 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but I did like the the dash to um, uh, windshield clearance. It's, it's very short. Everything's very upright. It feels like a proper truck when you get into it. It doesn't feel like a car that has a pickup bed on the back, which is nice. It's still body on frame. A lot of tech. It's got a digital uh, instrument cluster, and it, unlike some of the future trucks from some other competitors, it maintains uh, Android Auto and CarPlay, uh, which people are going to love that. Just so much great stuff. But one of the misses for me was the rear seat can both uh, fold up to reveal storage under it, which is great, but there's no like fold-out panel that allows it to have a flat load floor. Ah. And I think that's a, that's a miss. And then they also allow the rear seat to fold forward and giving you a completely uh, flat surface for like soft bags and stuff. So it's basically seat back folds forward and you have a shelf in the back. Got it. The you pro- know, like even my truck where the, the Ram, the full-size Ram truck that I borrow from work all the time, the 2500, it has a fold-out deck and it's perfectly flat. That's you can the, throw the, the, so much stuff the in The Titan has that also. My truck, 
ain't no room. Yeah. It blows. Well, the other thing is it's just the mouse fur seat fabric back. I feel like they could have put a plastic tray on the back with tie downs in the corner. And then you could bungee stuff and keep it from sliding around. Or you'd have a recess to put your fridge. So there's a lot of manufacturers who have a seat that folds down. They all do it the exact same way. I just wish one of the OEs, as much as I think Ford listened on this one, I wish they would have taken a couple extra steps because there's some features that are kind of cool. Like they have a 360 lighting feature. You can light up your campsite with vehicle lights you know, all the way around or on one side. They have four zones. That's pretty cool. But what would I use more, that or having some sort of tray on the seat back the to tray. lock my stuff, of right? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I had a chance to sit with the chief engineer of Ford Ranger, and uh, we had a really nice uh, interview sitting in the cab of the Ranger, so you can hear how quiet it is. All right, so I'm sitting in a uh, 2024 Ford Ranger with chief engineer Juan DePena. This is a pretty big deal for you. You've been at Ford for 29 years, and... Uh, Ranger at some point was a, a platform that Ford walked away from in North America, brought back with the last generation, but that was really the global truck. This is the first time in decades that a truck has been made for the midsize market by Ford, and that's a huge responsibility for you to bring that back. Where where do we start? Um, you know what? Uh, firstly, thank you for coming and <laughs> thank you for the that. opportunity. Um, this is the sixth generation Ranger, so you're spot on. Uh, uh, it's a it's a, a long uh, nameplate. Uh, it is the F one fifty of the world. Uh, it's an important product to us. Hold on, I'm just curious. Uh, which model are you sitting in? I'm dying to know. Uh, that was a XLT. And how's it appointed compared they're, to they're, like? They're all nice. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it's. I think they did a good job on the interior. The seats are a little mushy for me. They're not as firm. So I think it's one of those things where you get in it and it feels good when you do your quick like two mile loop around the neighborhood. But on a long trip, I wonder if it has enough support. Mm. Like they're they're really soft, um, but they're supportive in the right places. Like the lumbar's in the right spot and the bolsters are real nice. And then Ford also put in steps in the bed, so behind the rear wheels. And they're not like the Chevys where they're built into the bumper. They're actually built into the body. So the steps are wide enough to put two shoes, two feet in there. Oh, so you smart. can reach into the bed a little bit safer. And they're um, they're basically reinforced so that they can hold 300 pounds, which for me is like me holding a cooler. So I'm like, uh, maybe it should have been more. They're really proud of it. Oh, it'll hold 300 pounds. I'm like, have you seen some of your pickup truck buyers? Anyway, it's a nice feature. Uh, in North America, as you know, uh, you know F-150 is a really, really, really big brother. My right? best-selling uh, full-size pickup for the last 46 years. And you know Ford globally is, is I mean, we own trucks. Uh, uh, we were in hiatus, I'll say. You know, I mentioned earlier that I had I was a program manager 14 years ago on Ranger, and I worked on the last gen on the last generation when we kind of you know balanced out and it was sure. a couple of years quiet. Just, just so you know, I owned a '94 Ford Ranger Splash. Okay, look at that. <laughs> Gruber always gives me a hard time about that. That would be uh, Mark Gruber. At one point, he was the head of global vehicle de- development in the, I don't know if it's truck space or everything, but he oversaw like future stuff. I don't know what he's doing now, but I knew him all the way back from when the original Raptor came out. Got it. The chief engineer is overseeing both mechanical engineering and electrical, correct? He's over all he's, of he's it, right? He's in charge of the platform, basically. Okay. Yeah, like he's, Just, he's the main dude. Like that's the, that's the guy that, that gets the thing, you know, he's got to work on several levels. He's got to work with the designers. He's got to work with the manufacturing. He's got to work with the engineers, right? It may look good on paper and meet all these milestones, but you also have to build it and you also have to service it and you also have to make sure the designers are happy. And so it's it's a pretty uh, massively uh, complex job. 
and uh, and Gruber said that he's going to have me work on the new splash. And we laughed. <laughs> it's, uh, it was a black one with a with a step side bed. It was a four liter, and then I also had a 2002 Ford uh, Ranger FX4, which was basically the level two before they called it the, the level two. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a Ranger owner in the past. Uh, they're some of my favorite trucks. I'm really excited to, right. to see this. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Um, and and watch the space. You know, so we always have Splash, right? We have Splash right now. Splash is our chance to kind of, you know, bring a little buzz. This is a little bit misleading because Splash back in the day was a stepside bed and it would look different than the regular Ranger. It was rad. It was more sporty. The new one is just kind of like a, trim and badge package. There's no different bed or anything. So he says they have Splash. um, Water down. But it's not like it was back when I owned my Splash. I'm like, dude, I got a Stepside Ranger. It's it's rad. I worked on on the old one. We went quiet for a bit. And then we we reintroduced the fifth generation. We brought it back to North America. And when we did that, you know, that product had already been on sale in the rest of the world for a while. So it wasn't, it was, it was something that we said, hey, we think there's an there's an opportunity here. You know, there's there's some space here for us to play in, and not encroach on F one fifty. So let's do it. And we essentially brought it back. And we came essentially we came up late into the market. Sure. And we quickly became number two. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty cool. So, uh, Holman, I'm dying to know when you interview guys like Juan, how do they decide? When they're cannibalizing one of their other trucks, like he keeps talking about the F-150, how do they decide, "Uh uh-oh, we're getting a little too big, a little too close to its big brother? Any Uh, idea? There's product planners that decide that. I think for the most part, they're handed the parameters that they have to build within. I think it's already been decided for them what the so size is So they're saying what's be. the wheelbase and all that stuff. Well, like, don't I, don't go outside. Not, no, I don't know that they're saying what's the wheelbase. I think they're saying this is your target overall size, your weight, the room you need on the inside, and then some of those other things like wheelbase have to be sorted out based on rear leg room and cab length and you know things like that. I've talked to some chief engineers who are like, I don't care about the other products. My job was to make this one successful. And if those other guys are threatened by it and we made too good of a product, well, they should up their game. That's my man. And I've had I've had that conversation with several chief engineers who are like, yeah, I don't care, you know. And when and they approach it like that, they don't say there's nothing sacred. Where my job is, you know, to help the company and the product planners who to said make the best we, truck he can we make. need to have two hundred thousand a year. Right. What's it going to take for this price point and this cost and this profit and and this manufacturing and blah 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 to you know get to that number? That's what they're concerned about. And with that, and we future out, obviously, we knew we are going to have Maverick, right? And Maverick plays a certain role at the bottom end, yep. and F-150 is, play, is still playing the role it plays today at the this top This is going to be the sweet spot for a lot of people that are either uh, adventurers and they don't want a big truck, or maybe in urban settings that need garageability exactly, and maneuverability. That's exactly it. That's our claim to fame, that we have we have a fully authentic, capable, off-road capable yep. truck and functional truck, 7,500 pounds of towing, 1,805 pounds payload. Uh, and we, an interior like this, you could have a family. I yeah. mean, this could be your your work truck. It could be your family conveyance, and it could be a play vehicle as well for the weekend. It does it all. Well, let, let's uh, just start with the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. It is a uh, steel body, aluminum hood, fenders, and I think tailgate. Right? You got it. Body on frame, fully boxed, hydroformed, um, and solid axle in the rear with leaf springs. So it's it yeah. is the architecture of 
a, a traditional truck. It's not, you know, Maverick is the right product for some people, and that's obviously unibody. You step up to F-150, extra capability, but you are coming to the market in the midsize with an authentic truck. That's exactly it. It is, I'm glad you said that word, authentic. It's built for tough, it's capable, it's got the functionality, but what, what I love about it now, I mean, since it's all new, we managed to essentially, you know, grow that frame, uh, plus two inches on wheelbase, plus two inches on its on its track width, and uh, uh, we repackaged the rear suspension dampers outboard of the frame. Uh, that gave us better tuning capability. So now, you know, these customers, uh, they deserve a better ride quality. Why should they have a nervous, jittery ride sure. when the bed's empty? I mean, most of the time that bed's empty. Yep, a lot of now, these trucks are going to be... Holman, can I ask uh, another dumb question? I'm as I'm apt to do. Uh-huh. Um, inboard versus outboard shocks. Why? What? What is the major obvious advantage leverage. of being outboard? Oh, leverage. So when your shock is inboard, you don't have as much leverage to damp what the wheels are doing. So you move them outboard of the frame rail, and they damp the wheels because they're closer to the ends. Right? You don't have that lever arm on a solid axle. It makes the other thing sense. is yeah. is with some sometimes they're outside and they're they're pointed forward. Sometimes they're alternate where one's forward and one's back. Like all the GM trucks are one's forward and one's yeah, back. Yeah, some of that is for um, axle hop. Um, some of the designs actually allow for like a passive rear wheel steer. Like when the um, F-150s went to outboard shocks, I think in 2004, there was a certain couple of degrees and turns where oh, the they axle wanted that. Yeah, so oh. that you would have it more turn in, so you can design that into it. But for most of all, it's, it's, it's more precise tuning because being outboard is you don't have the lever acting on it and so you don't have to have as much let's say valving in it so the difference is is when you're going straight down the road and the body's not pitching from side to side and the axle is moving in the same plane up and down just soaking up the normal undulations you want a smooth ride well if you have to put extra valving in to compensate for a wheel hitting a big hit you know not affecting the cab or whatever well, that's going to mean you have tighter valving for when you're going straight, too. So moving to the outside means you don't need as much valving, which translates yeah, yeah. into a better ride you're the rest killing, of the time. killing a couple birds with one stone. Oh. But the packaging becomes how much room do you have in your wheel well, what's your offset of your wheel size, because you want to make sure that you're still leaving room for the tires. You don't want to you got to bring the frame width in a little bit then, right? Not necessarily. Chest, no? no, you can bring the body out and cover it. You can do, do a lot with tire and wheel width. And so there's, there's a lot of games you can play to do it. Uh, it's definitely the right answer. But it's not always um, the the easiest, and, and you'll see more and more manufacturers are going to outboard shocks now. And so now we're able to tune this almost like it was like an SUV, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so give the customers the right quality that they deserve when they, which is most of the time that they're driving around with an empty bed, but also still give you an 1,805 pound payload. And we grew the, 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 the frame of the vehicle. We grew, the, like you said, the hydro, the new hydroform front end structure. It allow us to, to package now the, in addition to the 2.3 liter I4 that we've had true and, and tried and very capable. Now we can offer the 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6. Same engine as the Bronco, same engine yep. as the F-150, but tuned for Ranger. So, so now you got 2.3 straight four turbo. You got the 2.7 V6, which, by the way, is a fantastic engine. That yeah. engine, when it debuted in F-150, people thought, well, it's just a smaller 3.5, but it's not. It's a completely different engine. Yes, it is. And they also thought, well, it's too underpowered for F-150, and it's done really well in yes. F-150. So I can only imagine in uh, in Ranger, and you can hear right now, it's you know this, I'm guessing, is a four-cylinder, how quiet it is while it's idling. 
it's it's pretty it's pretty nice how serene the cabin is. I like how you guys have a very upright dash now. It doesn't have the Klingon forehead like the last, <laughs> the last design. And the, the base of the windshield to dash face is really short. So it gives you that really upright truck feel with lots of room yeah, in the front. Yeah, and great line of sight. You know, we were yeah. key. Uh, uh, I think Gretchen, you know, our marketing manager mentioned that our customer demands garage ability and maneuverability, yeah. right? That's why they're not driving an F-150. Sure. Oh, that's part of the reason why they're not driving an F-150. And this vehicle, I mean, it, that's, it gives you exactly that. So you know exactly where your corners are, and when you're towing, it's got our backup trailer pro assist, or backup pro trailer yeah, assist. Sure. It, it's a mouthful, <laughs> but essentially, uh, uh, it's got 360 degree you know, outside view now, it's got zone lighting. When you're backing up, I mean, it's wonderful to just see it on the screen and just use the, the dial. Well, the to, zone lighting is, for people who are interested, you can light up 360 degrees or four zones, say a campsite, and use the vehicle lighting, exactly. which is great because now you aren't setting up camp in the dark and things like that's that, which it, that's, is really that's cool. That's exactly it. Yeah, so again, thinking about the, the customer experience when they use the vehicle. They go off-road, they they take the ATVs, and, and they go somewhere. And then, I mean, it'd be kind of cool if, if the vehicle could, could give you some lighting, right? It's, yeah. Again, I think we're giving the customer just a lot more of a of a total proposition, making it more value because we used to have a super cab. We don't have a super cab anymore. Now, they're all 100% crew cabs, you know, full so size. Rangers, all crew cabs. All crew cabs. You got us four full size doors now across the board. Yeah. Uh, so the, our price inched up yeah. because we, we're offering sure. more as well. Are, are you, is it the same wheelbase and same bed length on all of them? Correct. So basically, this body style is the single Ranger body style. And yes, I want to go back to the yeah. two inch wider track. Yeah. People may think about that and go, well, two inches wider is not that big of a deal. Actually, it is a, big, uh, a pretty big deal because it allowed you to push the wheel wells out just enough where now you can haul a four foot wide sheet of prop, uh, plywood between the wheel wells and not propped up on one side. That's exactly it. I'm glad you said four foot sheets of drywall yeah, and, yeah. And, and plywood because that's the standard. So when you when you can't fit them in between the wheel wells flat on the on the on the on, on the bed, yeah. you're essentially propping them up on something else and, right. and you're losing some some you know storage space underneath or, the, or, or the drywall you, you or, might break something because exactly, right? exactly that's exactly right. So we allow the the working end of the vehicle to now be even more capable and offer more functionality and then growing you know two inches wider and two inches longer uh, wheelbase overall overall length I think we grew by maybe like 35 millimeters mm -hmm. so we did not grow with uh, two inches overall length but it, it allows to give the customer better ride quality because we can tune better we package those those rear suspension dampers out forward of the frame so we can our, our tuning range got better so now we, we it rides better empty it rides better full uh, also when you're off-road you have better wheel articulation as well because we are wider uh, but also it, it, how we made it wider our our you know lower control arms uh, and upper control arms grew so you get uh, more and, travel from the pivot that, that's point, exactly right? exactly Exactly it's the same the trick you, you yeah. use on uh, you know Raptor, but not to the same extreme. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I think we did it the smart way. It would have been crazy to maintain the same wheel, the same level of wheel articulation yeah. when you're growing wider and not yeah. take advantage of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you look at you know some of the features of the bed, of spray and bed liner. The tailgate has the C-channel clamps like you would have on an F-150. You've got different storage that's optional, different tie-down points. One of the things that I like is you've got power, both a 12-volt and a 400-watt inverter. That can be used when the engine is off, 
Yes. Which is a huge thing because most manufacturers, it's only while the engine's running. Well, that doesn't help somebody running a fridge or yeah. <laughs> some or power tools, and you don't want the engine running while you're doing a project, yeah. right? That's exactly so that's right. something that you guys have done in the bed, in addition to hauling the four foot wide sheets, that's and exactly. so that's that's pretty cool. That's exactly. And and behind the center console, like right here on the inside, we still have a 110, 400 watt inverter yep. here as well, and USB as well. So so power inside and power outside 110. And now the uh, rear seats fold floor, uh, forward, so you've got a, a flat surface on the back they're completely flat for loading soft bags and things like that maybe for an adventure i wanted to talk about durability uh, mm -hmm. because this truck has undergone some pretty extreme durability testing both here and internationally in places like south africa and australia uh, which have especially australia way more demanding roads than what we see here in the states so and, and i know that you know the 10-speed transmission and the chassis let me just walk through some of the things you told us earlier about durability testing definitely definitely um i had mentioned earlier that uh you know our ranger customers choose ranger because it's built for tough and I said, now, how does Ford fulfill on that promise? We do it by testing the Ford Ranger just like we test all of our other trucks. And we own trucks, so we know how to do trucks. So this vehicle sees the same exact testing regimes that the F-150 and the Super Duty sees. And and that's pretty aggressive. Uh, just one Ranger test vehicle, when you consider its test cycle, mm -hmm. which is supposed to represent essentially the, the, the structural fatigue life of a, of a vehicle, it's it, uh, over, over its testing uh, regime, it'll, it's the equivalent of running around the U.S., driving around the U.S. twice, stopping at every step along the way. And when oh, we factor yes. back into smooth road driving that we take out to compress the cycle, it's like driving around the U.S. 11 times. And that's just one test vehicle. And we have more than 30, less than 50. So <laughs> it is hundreds. I mean, yeah. it's thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. And testing in Australia, at uh, uh, in New Zealand, down to minus 40. In Australia, we did a ton of really, really aggressive, harsh road, aggressive duty cycle, you know, driving yeah. uh, driving cycle testing in the u.s we did a ton of towing and hauling like up like davis, davis dam, dam right exactly exactly which is you know it's our measure for if you can survive davis dam at your maximum towing capacity you know you got bragging rights well and then you also so the extremes of temperature minus 40 all the way to 120 degrees and then a lot of that was done at full load and full payload to make sure that you had enough thermal management to make sure that the vehicle was going to survive and the two, 10 speed transmission over 3.7 million miles across various, uh, you know, testing across various models. That's a lot of durability that you guys are, are you're committed to that. Y yes, it is. That's exactly right. Uh, and, and all in all, I mean, the transmission by itself, 3.7 million miles. Uh, but uh, the vehicle itself in total, the because we, 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 we summed it all up, it, it was uh, 775,000 miles of customer driven, you know, road sure. driving and 800,000 miles of rugged off-road driving. Well, I was taking uh, some of the notes, and you, we talked about all the, uh, the the smart and connected stuff. You, it's wireless Android and CarPlay and all the adaptive driving stuff that you have. I mean, there's so many features on this truck. From a design standpoint, you guys really led with the North American market. So this truck feels like it is North American first, and I think the customers are really going to appreciate the new redesign of the sixth generation. Thank and then you, I'm glad. Just uh, one last quick question, because I know, you know, platform-wise, Bronco and Ranger are stable mates in that way. Bronco uh, has a coil suspension rear. Ranger has a leaf, unless you go to Raptor. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the other differences between Bronco and uh, Ranger that that you guys were able to do or change between the different vehicles? Um, you know, uh, uh, the frame, which is the backbone, um, uh, it's shared significantly with Bronco. You know, with our stable mate, they both go down Michigan Assembly Plant. Uh, the, from the A pillar forward, 
common frame. That hydroform front end structure, it's slightly different than the front because Bronco's got round headlamps. This has the C clamp sure. mm-hmm. headlamps. So, you know, that, that dimension is going to be different. The, the middle stub of the frame, you know, this is a pickup truck, so it's a longer wheelbase versus yep. a five door, three door Bronco, sure. shorter. And so, so that middle, we grew the length. And then in the rear, we, like you said, we have a, a Hotchkiss leaf spring suspension. Bronco, base Bronco has a five link, Pen hard rod mm-hmm. uh, uh, suspension, and I think the Bronco Raptor has a, a Watts a, a, or something. I think uh, we have a Watts. Oh. So, so so we actually like if you could if if if, if Bronco has a five link yeah. rear, we have essentially like a six link rear because you know the Watts obviously has those two, two links right, right. locating uh, links off the yeah. pig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, and 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 the reason why you know I, I love the fact you know uh, Carl mentioned a Bronco is a rock crawler. Yeah, right. This is a. Uh, uh, do everything. <laughs> Do everything, but you also it's a watch linkage is going to control your rear suspension yeah. placement better for for more aggressive driving, right? So 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 we can do some rock crawling, but we can also do the the high speed hauling that that Raptors are known sure. for in our Raptor. Shows the flexibility control. of the frame. That's right? exactly. Yeah. It shows the flexibility of the frame. So we have uh, so that that rear suspension, that rear frame is going to change because of the different suspensions. Uh, but in terms of our of our we we. With Bronco, we share the same engines, 2.3 liter I4, 2.7 liter V6, and 3 liter V6 in, in, in both Raptors. Um, so our powertrain cooling is very similar. Our GOR, you know, the, the, the whole cooling pack sure. is going to be similar. Our AIS location is, is similar. Our IP is going to be unique uh, yeah. uh, because uh, a Bronco's IP is not like a traditional IP. No, and, uh, and this has a more sloped A-pillar versus Bronco's that, upright that, A-pillar. Exactly, that's yeah. exactly it. It's yeah. a brick. You know, yeah. Bronco is straight up. <laughs> yeah. And Bronco's line of sight are even better still than the Ranger because yeah. you, you, you can see even even yeah. even lower into you know into the corner. I, I sure wish Ford would find a chief engineer that's passionate about this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. I want, I'd love to meet him. <laughs> what, uh, uh, what was your, you know, you look at this and as we know, Every chief engineer has battles, and sometimes it's design battles, sometimes it's functionality battles, sometimes it's cost battles, sometimes it's manufacturing battles. What is the most proud thing that you have brought to market in this new truck where it was worth the effort to to get it in the program? Is there one thing or something that stands out where you say, man, I can't believe we did it, but it's going to really be valuable to the customer. I'm glad we got it through. It was the right choice. I'm going to say Raptor. Okay. In one word, I'm going to say Raptor. And I say that because the North America Ranger customer had been saying for years, why don't we have a Raptor? Why don't we have a Raptor? Come hell high water, we were going to give him a Raptor. So giving him a Raptor and still being able to give him two additional engines, right? Um, All new interior, all that capability out out in the the back end working end of a truck. I mean, Ford was not kidding when we invested, meaning we're not playing. We are serious about the midsize pickup segment. So And it shows. And I, I built a long travel Ranger with a supercharged V6. Manual transmission on 33s back in 2005. <laughs> so I trust me when I say, and, and you can ask Mike Levine, our involvement in the original Raptor F-150. That my history with Raptor and Ford is uh, very entwined <laughs> over the years. And for that vehicle to finally be here is something that I've been a fan for so long that I had built one because I wanted that like type that, of vehicle yeah. here, right? So uh, seeing it in, in the flesh, and it's 3.5 wide, uh, inches wider per side. It's got the Raptor styling. It's got the Raptor modes, the adaptive exhaust. It's got the 405 horsepower 3-liter uh, uh, V6 that's shared that's with, right. with what I like to call Braptor, yeah. Raptor, Raptor, <laughs> right? Um, and I, I think it's 
33 inch tires on the Ranger Raptor? Uh, yeah, 33 yeah. inch tires. You just buy them. rear lockers. Uh, uh, oh, in fact, 33 inch KO3s, I think. Yeah, I uh, saw uh, the yeah, tread pattern. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and front and rear lockers, you're right. I'm yeah. glad you said that. Uh, and pl- so if you want to uh, see what a BFG KO3 looks like, Go check out the uh, Ranger Raptor photos, and you'll get a sneak peek. Not of the KO two, nope. KO three. They are, they are on their way. Just saying. Hmm. Plus three and a half inch track width on the base. The base already grew plus yeah. two, and then we threw another three and a half inch. So it's way that wider. Is, it is yeah. way wider, and it is so much fun. Yeah. I love that you know the the active exhaustion. Yeah. Because you can make that thing sound really really raucous when you, if you want. Perfect. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, Man, Chief Engineer, you you were you said you were a first generation Dominican, first, first generation grew Dominican up in American, New York. That's right. born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. yeah. So um, I've come a long way. Uh, I was working towards a PhD when I was in school when uh-huh. I was young, and um, and I tell people that I sold out because you know I I was working at NASA, but I was like you know working <laughs> at NASA like is like being like you know in school. You <laughs> yeah, know? sure. It's very academic, and I sold out because I came to corporate America. I came to Ford, and I'm so glad that I did. And I don't want you to, to yeah, miss no, your ride. We're good. Uh, so so uh, it's been a great career a great almost 30 years Ford's been great it's it is a family-run company they yeah. treat its employees differently and the people that you get to work with uh, like I mentioned I actually specify that the diversity of the people yeah. that I work with it is great and and it's it's why I'm still at Ford I mean I've I've, I've had offers you know I'm sure you have and I've stayed here it's well, for a reason it's because it's a great company congratulations great on the new Ranger I think this gives you a PhD in trucks <laughs> thank you man uh, I appreciate yeah, it I appreciate your time thank you Thanks sir more. thank you Damn, that dude is Perfect. a fireball. Yeah, he's uh, he's super passionate about the brand. I mean, think of that. He's been at uh, at Ford for 29 years. Um, you think of all the programs he's touched over the years and things like that. Uh, couldn't have been a nicer, more gracious guy. I'm wondering if we can uh, get get him on again at some point and uh, and and talk more. I would have loved to have another 20 or 30 minutes with him because it's just it it was pretty awesome. And then I just want to run over a, a couple. Um, quick notes that you may have picked up in there. So the 2.3 liter EcoBoost that's in today's truck, 270 horsepower, 310 pound-feet of torque. The 2.7 liter EcoBoost, which is out of the Bronco, it is new to the Ranger platform, 315 horsepower, 400 pound-feet of torque. They both have uh, 18.8 gallon fuel tanks, and they can run off of 87, even with turbos. No kidding. Which is uh, Which is cool. Yeah. Really? Not super? Not super. So you can run off uh, non-premium. Then the other thing about it is they come with 17 and 18-inch wheels. But the question that a lot of people are probably curious about, uh, max towing, 7,500 pounds. And max payload on a 4x4 is 1,711 pounds and 1,805 on a a, a two-wheel drive, which is pretty damn good for the midsize segment. There's a lot of trucks that are down around 11, 12, 1,300 pounds. And of course, packed full of technology and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and integrated trailer brake controller as well. So uh, you can get that as part of it. So it's got a lot of the features of the big truck with, you know, some downsized capability, but 7,500 pounds is what a full-size towed, you know, 20 years ago. So that's pretty, that's a that's a hefty trailer. How close will a uh, an XLT or a base model guy be able to get with Ford performance parts towards the, ra- the, the Raptor? No, there, there's a lot of changes to the Raptor. I mean, maybe you could unbolt, you know, everything and bolt it on. But the, yeah. like the shock towers are taller on a Ranger oh. for or on a Raptor for more travel. It's not. It's not just. I realize like they, the suspension's radically different. But like, let me. How about just aesthetically? Like a lot of the guys. Here's why. A lot of the Ford F one fifty guys will get. You know, fender flares. And yeah, but a lot of that stuff, stuff is aftermarket and, stuff that just looks like the Raptor. I, I'm curious. 
what does your gut tell you? How close will Ford can, sell performance parts to get those? They're not. Entry? They won't. No. Okay. No, you're not going to. Ford's not. Ford Performance isn't going to sell wider fenders and bedsides for a Raptor to a non Raptor owner. And they're not going to sell you the suspension of the Raptor. They want you to go buy the Raptor. So the aftermarket's going to be your friend. I mean, you, there's going to be plenty of people who are going to be looking for wrecked Raptors to put those parts on the regular Ranger. So you may have a guy who gets an XLT FX4 and then goes, you know, three three inches wider per side with a high offset wheel it, with, uh, you know, uh, somebody's race kit, a Camberg or, or something like that. And then they want the Raptor fenders to cover that. So there'll be some of that going on. But the Raptor architecture... The, you know, there's a lot more features, the drive modes. I mean, if you want to get to a Raptor, just save your money and get a Raptor. Gotcha. Speaking of Raptor, uh, the three liter EcoBoost V6 and that is a 405 horse, 430 pound feet. And it actually gets up to a 20.3 gallon fuel tank. So they actually added a few gallons on the uh, on the Raptor so you get a little more range for those of the you folks out there or maybe the same range with a high performance engine. So what's interesting here is that you had 315 on the next model down, mm-hmm. right? 315 horse versus 405 with a Raptor and then you had 400 pound feet of torque versus 430. So you're only gaining 30 pound feet but significantly more horsepower. Yeah, no, it, it that thing's going to scoot, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, you can also get them with the uh, the full-time uh, four-wheel drive system, which is cool. And then the other thing on uh, Raptor for people who are curious, maximum towing drops to 5,510 pounds, which is still a sizable trailer. Um, and that, pay- was, that was down from 7,500, Yep, right? and okay. uh, payload goes from uh, uh, just over 1,700 to uh, 1,411 on the uh, on the Raptor. So you get a little bit of a capability dip in terms of hauling and payload, but you... Get it way more, you know, back in in hauling ass. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So anyway, if you guys want to uh, check out the uh, the new Raptor, uh, there's lots of places you can go on the internet and uh, and see uh, what the truck looks like. And uh, it's it again. It's a it's a squatty, beefy, tough looking little truck that you just you just want to drive it around your sandbox like a Hot Wheels toy. So, but like the truck news doesn't stop there. We got mo for you. What's What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Good. It was good. That was really good. Yeah. All right. Uh, a lot more photos are starting to leak out of uh, the t- Toyota Tacoma. I haven't heard testing. No, wait. I'm not doing that anymore. I decided I'm changing. What? It. Yeah. No. Did you get the memo? You check your email today. I don't get email. So that bit, that no bit's dead. Email. Nope. What do you mean you have corporate email? No. You have lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. I have, that's not dead. This is happening. You don't. No, no, no. Go back. Listen. I don't have corporate email. Yes, you do. I pay I, for it every okay. month. All right. Whatever. Listen. We're not. This bit is not dying. Have I f-ing heard? Ask it. No. <laughs> See what you did there? No. <laughs> Lighting, have you heard? No. Nope. See? <laughs> anyway, uh, the Tacoma's finally going to be unveiled, but here I, I posted a post on my on my personal Instagram and then shared it on Truck Show. Everybody's like, what is it going to look like? Oh my God, here's a teaser from Toyota. Guys, they showed you the entire truck in December of 2021. They didn't believe it. The entire truck. They, but they didn't believe uncovered. it. Uncovered. They didn't believe it. All they did was have a blocked out grill and went, oh, this is the future uh, concept for a Tacoma electric vehicle. And it doesn't have a grill on it. Otherwise, it's identical. And then three months later, they brought out the patent drawing. 
It is literally exactly the same as the truck that got leaked this week. Somebody was poking around on Toyota's website and found some unpublished page and stole some photos off of it of that white one drifting. It's the same truck. It's, you guys, it's not new. And anyway, it, to me, okay, great. It looks like a Tacoma. I think it'll be fine. There's a lot of great it's stuff. It's so to obvious it. he's a hater. I love it. No, I'm you not. You just I'm, don't mask I'm not hating it. it. I'm, I think it's going to be great. But even the Trail Hunter looks like it has 33s and spy photos. Man, Ranger Raptor's looking pretty good. AV Bison looking pretty good. I mean, for that high end, going after it, it's like, gonna it's gonna hurt because it's gonna hurt you because it's gonna sell like hotcakes. Oh, it's gonna sell like crazy. Yeah, and there's so many people that are ready for it. It's gonna fully box frame finally, and we know that it has rear disc brakes finally. What? Yeah, which it should. But they only have a turbo four and a hybrid turbo four, and Ford just went, oh, we've got a two point seven V six now. With 315 horsepower and what, 400 pound feet of torque or whatever. Yep, yep. yep. I mean, that thing's going to be a, a monster. The, the, I'm telling you, the truck, the truck wars and midsize are are crazy. But at the same time, I I, I pose the question: I, I just, is it evolutionary? Is it perfectly evolutionary for Toyota, or did they not go far enough? Because it doesn't look that much different. I mean, it's evolutionary. It's it's instantly recognizable as a Tacoma. You you may not have seen a Tacoma for 30 years, and you go, oh, that's a Tacoma. So, like, good kudos to them for that. It, it looks, and these things always look better in the flesh than they do in photos, especially when you haven't seen one in person for scale and all that. That being said, is it enough when the competition is getting this much better? Yeah, I don't know, and they don't really seem to care about horsepower. Well, they don't They don't need to I mean, care. the Tundra came, it was nice with it, you know, twin turbos. I'm wait, dying for, I think Burger's got a inline tuner for it. I'm dying to see how that works. Uh, those guys are local. We should talk to them. I know it's kind of competition for banks, but... They do Toyota stuff, so I think it might be worth reaching out to Burger. They're up in uh, what, Simi Valley, something like that, I think. I, I think I'm waiting for someone to make some big power with that twin turbo Tundra. Haven't seen it yet. I, if you guys know of one, let us know. Podcast at gmail.com or hit me at uh, lightning at Podcast, and I'll line up somebody who's tuning twin turbo Tundras. Uh, lightning, did you hear? No. Nope. So there's a big kerfuffle over the uh, Ram announcements on the internet this week mm. where... Uh, Everybody expected them after a little tease that they would be announcing the Hurricane Straight Six coming to the Ram 1500. Nope. And when that uh, came to fruition, nope, they got a moon rock, didn't they? They, they, they got a, <laughs> uh, a a new buzz model. They basically said a a new forces landing five ten twenty three. Everybody's like, ooh, <laughs> it's the Hurricane I six twin turbo. Woo! And then it was like, here's a new paint color for you. Mm-hmm. I uh, I can't tell you how many people reached out to me and said, tomorrow, hurricane? I'm like, no. Uh, my guess is you won't be uh, hearing anything about that till probably Q4 of this year. So sorry to, uh, to bust your bubble, but uh, if you uh, want uh, lunar-colored things, then you might like this new special edition that... Ram is putting up there, but no, it, it was not about the uh, the straight six. Kind of an interesting gray, by the way. It's not the cool cement color you see Porsche doing, or Toyota has that uh, really neat dark gray, that Nardo gray color. This is kind of a, if you took that and then put some tan in it. Are we, no, are we sure this really? is not stingray? It's not the same stingray I had on my Jeep? Is it? Uh, it did in the it photos that awfully, I saw. It looks awfully familiar to me. Oh, really? Maybe it's just the photos I saw. So, I, you know, I rescind that. And I will uh, see one in person. Ram Ram is very, very good. Well, Stellantis is very good about using the same paint color across multiple lines and naming, naming them something different. Like, 
Stingray on a Jeep is with Destroyer Gray or whatever on a Hellcat. Oh. Same, same color. So my guess is it's it's Stingray. I think it looks great. But again, it's okay. It You know, it's not the straight six. I, I, I do like the interior on the TRX. It's uh, it's gray. With blue. Uh, with blue, which looks kind of nice. It's kind of a, a Recaro-esque, like uh, the, the, the blue stitch you had on your Raptor. It's it's similar, maybe a little brighter than uh, the blue stitch on like a 4xe Wrangler. Um, but it's real tasteful. It's it's not gaudy at all. I think the black seats were the, you know, if you are familiar with the uh, the TRX interior where the red piping is on the seats, uh, th- that's gray. And then all the stitching is is blue. I think it's, it's it's tasteful, but, you know, it's just another color. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Nope. More hints that uh, Ram may be introducing a compact pickup truck to uh, battle against the Ford Maverick. Uh, somebody caught a photo of one under wraps on top of a car hauler. And so there's a lot of people saying, is it coming or is it not coming? And uh, my guess would be, it's coming, right? You you got to think that it's going to uh, be here stateside. Uh, Maverick is way too big of a market for Ram to ignore. Is it going to be called something like the Ram 700, which is down in Mexico? Or is it going to be like a Dakota? I, I would love for them to do an actual Ranger, Colorado, Frontier, Toyota Tacoma fighting Dakota. I, I think the the market is ripe for them to jump into that. I, I thought we had a different name. It was the the... the... It wasn't the Dakota. It was the... Well, nobody knows what the name nobody, is. Nobody. You came up with a name, and I thought, oh, that's the name. That's what it's got to be. Rampage? Rampage. Could be. It's got to be the Rampage. I mean... It, How could it not be the Rampage? It, rampage is a great name. It might not be the Rampage. It should be a Rampage. It'd be idiots not to call it a Rampage. How cool is that name? It's kind of 80s-ish, uh-huh. but man, the Rampage. That's a great name. See, because it says Ram in the name. Get right. it? Rampage. That's no better than the uh, charging mat in Rams that say Ram Charger, which I love that. Ever seen your TRX, that pad that wirelessly charges your phone? Yes. It's called the Ram Charger. Look yes, at it. There's a logo on there. Yeah. I'm sure they did that for trademark, too. Uh, hey, Lighting, did you hear? What? No. Nope, didn't hear. So uh, Lexus is out teasing the uh, next generation GX uh, SUV, which is only notable because it's built on the international uh, Prado platform. And if you've looked around, for anybody who wants a basically a luxury overlander, GXs are everywhere because it's basically a 4Runner with a V8. And so the GX460s, GX470s have become the darlings of the upscale overlanding community and are sort of have taken the place of like uh, the Series 80 Land Cruisers and things like that. They're similar size. And Lexus apparently is uh, announcing the next generation of GX and the photos that they put out are dirty. It's teaser photos up close of it covered in dirt. Interesting. And I uh, I think I could say this. I was called by certain people from a company that just put out photos of a dirty vehicle and said, would you like to fly out to uh, Texas to see our vehicles? We're not going to tell you what they are. Uh, unveiled next month. And I went, yes. Yes. So yes, I'm hoping uh, to see it in person. Pretty excited, it, actually. Am I a dumbass for just assuming that the... Land Cruiser and the Lexus were the same? There was and is a version of the Land Cruiser that's the Lexus. Oh, okay. But that's the LX. This is the GX. Ah, thank you. Okay. So uh, apparently they are embracing their off-road routes and the new GX, hopefully from what they're showing, will still be body on frame, just like the current one. And uh, it's a much needed update that that model's been around for a really long time. 
and I'm hoping that it's on the uh, the new Tacoma and Tundra platform. Uh, it could be really, really good, and it could be a again a luxury forerunner vehicle uh, for overlanding. And if Lexus is embracing that, that could be awesome. That is going to be big dollars. Um, uh, can I guess? Yeah, sure. you, you don't know, of course. You no. haven't been there yet, but I'm going to say it's going to start at 115. No way. Really? No. The the the. The Lexus LX600, which is the current Land Cruiser generation that's not, Toyota version's not in the U.S. currently, it's only Lexus, that starts at 86.9. Hmm. And that could, that'll get way up over 100,000 with options. Uh, this is solidly going to be 69, 72, somewhere in there, I bet. And okay. it'll get you up to 90 or something. Okay. It's a midsize you know, SUV, probably three row. Uh, I hope it's still body and frame. I hope it still has a solid rear axle because that would be super rad. And it might maybe hint at what the next Forerunner is. Obviously, with Tacoma getting refreshed, Forerunner's not far behind. So uh, we'll see. I, I'm I'm excited about it. I don't know if anybody else is excited about it, but I am excited about it. And I know there's going to be some a-hole listener like Trevor Nemero is going to send me a note. <laughs> How can you hate on the Tacoma, but you like the Lexus? Because I can. So just shut up, Trevor. <laughs> I preemptively shut him down. Yeah, just, Sorry, Trevor. You didn't notice he never wrote back after I uh, gave my iPhone versus Chinese Ford. So uh, funny. Thing. It's like we uh, are doing a show for one dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> Used to be Declan, but he doesn't listen to us no, anymore. No. He grew up. He does, yeah. Got a girlfriend. and yeah. He doesn't need us He's anymore. off his riding lawnmower with headphones on, and now he's got a girlfriend. Maybe he has a dump truck Not now. listening yet. Oh, does he? Die? He's got a Dump truck. Speaking of dump trucks, hey, uh, did you hear? No, 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 no. Nope, didn't hear. Well, you're going to be disappointed because uh, you not being able to hear is a freaking shame. Uh oh. How about a 1997 Ford F350 dump truck? Yeah, I didn't know they made a Ford F350 dump truck. It, it wasn't. It was a. It was a either a chassis cab or they took up the bed and put a dump bed on it. Okay. All right. Gateway Car Connection, Missouri dealer, they're known for finding really low mileage, well-preserved vehicles. Think of this. It's this red. Is, 97, you said? 97. Okay. And you'll see the importance of this in just a moment. Single cab. F350. F350. Okay, single cab. Dually. Oh. 4x4. Oh. 7.3 power stroke. Oh. Five-speed manual. Oh. 1,500 original miles. The original owner was some rich guy. Did you just say 1,500 miles? With red interior. The original guy was uh, some rich guy that only hauled something in the bed once in okay. the in the dump bed. This is the truck, my friend, with period correct weld dually wheels. Oh my god, it's it's perfect. It's perfect. It like it was in a uh, hermetic, what you, hermetically sealed. sealed. Look at the uh, look at the interior. What in the world? How was it stored? How? What's the story there? How is it so perfect? All right. Well, if you uh, if you head on over to uh, thedrive.com, dot uh, com, this is going to be a story from uh, Caleb Jacobs, who we're going to get him on the show. Yeah. Uh, he's he. Uh, and Caleb's I, my boy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've talked about him coming on, and uh, he was busy for a little bit, but I want to get him on because he always has some of the best stories on the drive. Guess how much this thing sold for. So this is, the, keep in mind. 1,500 miles. So according to Caleb's story, the higher watermark for an OBS Ford was previously a 92-97 F-Series on Bring a Trailer that had a 460 cubic inch uh, V8 and 60,000 miles went for 59,280. Okay. I'm going to say because this is a dump bed, so it's worth probably less. Let me give you a little, little backstory. Just to give you more information okay. before you guess. The truck was ordered by a guy that owned a Ford franchise, a big Ford store. 
He ordered it, hauled one load of gravel in 1999. That's the only thing that's ever been in the dump bed. The stock wheels are actually wrapped in plastic and stored in the back of the dump bed. He also owned a tire shop, so he ordered the weld wheels and had them installed right away on day one. And other than the load of gravel, he would drive it into his Ford store every once in a while just to have it serviced. It didn't get a ton of miles, but it did go get driven periodically. What did this truck sell for? I'm going to say 91000 It sold for a cool 84800 Ooh. It almost sounds like a deal for what it is. Oh, short wheelbase, single cab, dual rear wheel, first generation power stroke diesel with a stick. 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles. Unicorn. Unicorn. Unicorn truck. Wow. I just look at the truck with red on red. And I just want to. Doll, that I just want to get excited. I can't unsee that. I just want to. Th- I want to thump my foot on the ground with excitement. <laughs> that was it not is so your, good. Not your foot or it the was ground. So good. Now, hey, lighting. Did you hear? No zero zero zero. No, I didn't. Uh, so I got one last story for you. All right, because we're calling uh, someone right after this. All right, that's fine. I got one last story All for right. you. There's certain manufacturers who. Uh, are embracing EVs and autonomous driving and all that. Well, not the Ferrari CEO. The Ferrari <laughs> CEO was in a uh, an interview. Uh, are you the, talking with the, the SUV Ferrari that's nope, coming out? Okay. Nope. Nope. During a this is according to a story on the drive uh, said during a discussion at the Financial Times Future of the Car Summit, Ferrari CEO Benedetto Vigna said there are four kinds of software. Performance, there's comfort software, there's infotainment software, and there's autonomous. The last one, we don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And and the drive drive has the perfect headline for this, Ferrari CEO on self-driving cars. We don't care. (laughs) That is... Good for them. Because it's all about the experience of the driving experience, right? That's it, all, it that's is. All, that's why that's you're in a Ferrari. Yeah, don't don't do it. Ferraris, if you're not driving, done. Doesn't matter. Brand What's dead. the point of the car? What's the point? At that point, just wear it on your wrist. Yeah, I just yeah. That. Stupid. Good for him. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Love that. Anyway. I just uh, I, I wonder where where Ferrari. where where's Porsche? On uh, drive because Porsche is the car that I think of like the re- the dr- well I guess yeah the but there's a lot of grand touring stuff too that, though so. BMW is what the driving experience is their motto right what's what's well Porsche? now now it's just really ugly blocky vehicles that look like crap with giant gills on the front that's right. just that's what the BMW but Porsche BMW I think is, is going to be another one that should step out and well, say we'll we're not into you know if you buy this to drive it all right Lenny, I got one more for you because uh, this one really bothered me. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? I mean, no, no. No, I didn't. GM has started moving away from CarPlay and Android Auto to offer their own interface. I think that's death. I agree. And I think it's stupid. So I saw Jim Farley. I wanted to play the audio, but I know it could be copyright infringement. Jim Farley 
basically said, we lost that battle 10 years ago. I saw, We saw the same interview then. He was sitting up on stage yeah. and he says, we lost that battle and we can't and you have to remember, be Ford, better at it than, no. than, than Android and or and, and Apple. And Apple. And Ford said in the beginning when they partnered with Microsoft, because you remember they had Microsoft Sync yep. and they had Microsoft's mobile phone and I'll never forget. It was a failure. I'll never forget being at the Detroit Auto Show in the Kobo Arena with Bill Gates on satellite in the big arena screen, and somebody asked him if it would work with iPhone, and he choked over his words. It was like, oh, yes. And it was so funny. But I remember Ford saying, we're not going to embrace CarPlay because we're not going to let a $1,500 or $1,000 phone, whatever it was at the time, dictate the purchase of the vehicle. And then they realized, oh, crap, we have to have it. And now they're saying, we lost it. And CarPlay, I almost don't ever use. I drive so many different things. CarPlay is a godsend because I don't have to relearn everything. It's plug consistent in, across everything. Everything. Right. It makes and it my, easy. My brother is the same for all the Google products, right? Yeah. And he plugs in and he's yep. like consistency across. Yep. He rents cars in every state. Yep. I and, think that's yep. a big mistake. I know I, my understanding is the next generation trucks like the Colorado Canyon do have it and they're going to phase them out of EVs first. I bet they backtrack on that. I, th- I think CarPlay has be- become such an instrumental part of it's our daily ubiquitous. lives. Yeah, you have to have it. How? Why would they do that? The only people who don't have it is Tesla, is it, which is they, crap, they, and Rivian. Do they hit the royalties that much? Yes. Yeah, and they don't like. God, that's well, so short sighted. But, but then it becomes data. It's all about data. Everything's about first party data. So they oh, GM man. doesn't want to see the data that Apple Go gets, Apple, yeah. even though your licensing agreement covers sharing data. They want to own you, not have Apple own you with what you're doing in the car. There's a great article on it. I wish I could find it right now, but uh, if you search, there's a, a few good opinion pieces out there on why. Uh, from a consumer side, though, I, I get why the GM's doing it. From a consumer side, I'm going to tell you, I would not buy a vehicle that didn't have CarPlay. That's how much I use it. I got to agree. I'm not a super Apple. I, the I, I do have a Mac. I have an iPhone. I enjoy the ecosystem. I'm not a homer like Holman is, but I really, really enjoy just being able to plug into any freaking car that has it. And like you said, it's consistent. I know where my map is. I know I know where everything is just by rote memory. It's That's super sweet. Yep. I'm going to change gears a little bit here. Remember on the last episode when we were talking to Randy Fredericks, owner of Two Ballistic, the 91 Toyota mini truck, and we got off kind of on, on a tangent, and he was talking what? about- What? We got uh, on a tangent? We did. He went on a hunt and found the LeVan- Flex-through. Flex-through window. Or, or more uh, colloquially understood as the butterfly rear window. Right. And for those of you who hadn't seen it, because I hadn't seen one, well, I did, but the story will unfold in a minute here. I posted a photo on at Truck Show Podcast on the gram, and within minutes, we had a bunch of comments- Hey, I wanted one of those on my Toyota so bad back then from uh, Rust Bucket uh, 65. Mike Finnegan, Pat Nichols Ballistic Toyota is my favorite mini truck of all time and the reason I picked Smurf Blue for my Toyota. Now, look at the uh, reply underneath underneath Mike Finnegan. Right, yeah, at Finnegan 999. When you coming back on, bro? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I've seen a few Chevy Loves in, in the community, but uh, they're very rare. I, th- I guess they uh, Chevy loves one of the applications in which you could buy the window for. That thing is so dope. I was wondering what you guys were talking about. Makes sense now from Freedom Chariot. And uh, like just a bunch of comments, guys, thanking us for posting up a photo at Trucho Podcast of what the thing looks like. Because it's hard to kind of wrap your head around it. Holman did a pretty good job of uh, painting the, the, the picture uh, verbally. But I want to get the backstory 
about the window from someone who actually owns one. Our buddy Sean Ramage, who owns Empire Fabrication, has this one on his wall up there in Ventura. And uh, let's give him a buzz and find out how he came about buying or getting a hold of this. Hello? Sean, Lightning <gasps> Holman, Truck Show Podcast. What's happening? Are, are you under attack you know. by a dog right now? <laughs> What's happening up there? Uh, hello is a trigger word for my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so last time you and I talked, you were standing in front of my flat fender uh, making rude gestures at it. Rude gestures? Yes. S- sending me pictures. Thank you for that. Remember Sean yeah, didn't have time I, to do it? Then he offloaded me to his friend Josh, who now hates me and hates ah, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. gotcha. We're calling Mr. Romage about the window that's up. The Levan yep, flex-through. The flex-through. And you have an interesting story how you came upon that. Because when you showed it to me the first time, I did not understand the significance of that window. And you looked at me like I had, you know, like three heads. You're like, how do you not know about the flex-through? And I'm like, I don't know. And you were insulted, but I didn't, you know, there's nothing I can do. I didn't know about it. How did you come upon this window and tell us why it's special to you? So this window was my stepdad's window and it was in his Chevy Love and he was in, oh man, I'm going to have to, let me see. It was uh, Pacific Coast Truckers was the truck club he was in. Yeah. And that was back in probably the late 80s, early 90s. And he was down in like Chula Vista, San Diego areas where he had this truck in that club. Growing up, he always had it. When he got rid of the truck, he pulled the back window out and he had it in his garage. And it was just hanging in there. And I always saw like every time I went to the garage or whatever for anything, it was just hanging up in there. And it took me about 15 years to talk him into like letting me get that from him. Why was the so. window so special to him? Was it that coveted even back in the day? So it's all airbrushed. The entire back window is airbrushed with the truck logo and everything in it. And so when he sold the truck, he either had to scrape the airbrushing off or pull the, you know, uh, he would have to pull the logo off the truck. And so instead of scraping the airbrushing off the window, he just put the stock window back in took the Levan window out and he just held on to it. Nice. Because it had all of the, uh, it had all the airbrushing and stuff on it. So how did you know the history behind the company or why did you know that it was special back then? Because it looks cool. Back then I didn't. It just looked rad. Oh, oh, you didn't. Okay. It it was cool. It was different. Like I didn't really, I would say it was about in high school when I actually, like when I got into mini trucking back in the early 2000s, is when I started like looking at that and I started trying to look for one for a Toyota pickup that I had and I could never find one. And initially I always thought, cause I have my 70 Toyota Hilux that I would just get a Chevy love back window frame and wrapped it into my Hilux and run this back window, which I used to want to do, but I don't want to do it anymore because one, I don't want to pull the graphics off that window. I love the airbrush graphics on it, and I just want to keep it how it was when he had it. And so it's just a display piece in my shop now, for the most part. Which is awesome. This, that's how it should be. Yeah. It should be. Uh, it should be in a place uh, of uh, honor to be coveted and enjoyed by enthusiasts for generations to come. I mean, it is. 
and it's not going to get stolen, well, uh, you know, popped out of the back of his truck. Exactly. You know? Well, that and I'd just be scared that it would break and then you'd never be able to replace it. It's just weird. It's kind of a feat of engineering for back in the 80s. And for many truckers, I mean, Holman and I, I guess I didn't know about it, but Holman knew about it, had seen him in the day, but didn't really understand that it was kind of the holy grail of mini trucking. Yeah, I mean, they were super rare and they made them like all the 80s Toyotas had them. The the early Mazdas and Datsun trucks had them. The late 90s, they started making them for, but they weren't as popular for the late 90s trucks. But like all the early stuff you could find. And then even a few years ago, I even found some for uh, like a square body Chevy on eBay a few years ago. And I almost wanted to buy it just to get it. And what, I never what was the did. price? I probably should have. Uh, it was actually like 450 bucks I mean, around you, there on eBay. You should have done it because you probably, you could probably sell for 750 now. Oh, I'm sure of it. Like all the ones I've seen now, I saw one probably about a year ago for $1,500 for like an 80s Toyota pickup. Oh, we got to get to the bottom of this. We got to talk to someone who was at LeVan. I mean, it couldn't have been like a two-person operation. It had to be like 10, 15 people working at this company. Someone around us, they were in SoCal. We, we got to know somebody who knows them, right? LeVan? Well, like, I have some early mini trucking magazines that have all like the LeVan articles in them, like the, the for sale articles or whatever. The, but we, we, what we need called, a name, but. though. We need like, oh, this is, you know, Janine Smith was the CFO or whoever. Like we need to, we need something to go off so we can track them down. There's got, there's no, no I never got dead. that deep into looking for him, but well, I'm just saying like, I, I really am dying to know the backstory about this little piece of mini trucks, you know, history. I set up a search on, uh, on eBay. Nothing. Uh, yeah. I have, well, I have a safe search on eBay. So yeah. if anything ever gets posted on it, I get a notification for it. Cause there's certain things that you're always looking for. And that's one that I'm always looking for. You never know. It's, I might get another one. And if I do for a good price, then. Yeah, I'm gonna grab it and maybe use no, it someday. I know what you're you're gonna do. You would find it, and you would take it home, or it would be shipped to you, and you would immediately start searching for the truck to put it in, and you would start with a new build. That's right, just yeah. so you could put That's it exactly out in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of wish I bought that square body one now that I have freaking four of them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What's uh What's in the shop right now, Sean? While we've got you on the phone. Oh shoot. Um, we're wrapping up a C30. A 78 C30 dually lowered with a 24 valve Cummins and an Allison. Nice. Uh, so that one's going on. Um, I just brought my wife's Land Cruiser back into the shop. It's a 60 series. Okay. Hey, uh, wait, wait, wait. Spec. Oh, was th- was that the one that my flat fender was taking away from getting done? Yes. Uh, <laughs> hey, go go back to the the Cummins and the Allison conversion real quick here. Who did that? Do you know who did like the bell housing and and all the the conversion kit? All right, so the conversion kit is diesel specialty conversions. We got the adapter plate from them, and then it's custom. Oh, man, it's CA. I'd have to look for the the control module for the Allison. I I know the company's based out of Florida. I can't think of what it's called offhand. Uh, Conversion, I think it's conversion automatic specialties or something like that. CAS. Uh, but they're based out of Florida, and they make the entire like standalone harness to run the Allison behind the Cummins. And then Diesel Specialty Conversions made the standalone harness for the 24 valve, and they made the adapter plate to bolt it to the Allison. First fire up is tomorrow. Oh, so dude, are you doing a video? In. We'll we'll be doing a video for it. Yeah. All right. So we... first fire up of the truck is going to be tomorrow. We want to hear it. And then, 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm stoked on that one. There's that, and then the Land Cruiser, we're getting ready to pull the motor because we're swapping an LBZ Duramax in it. Yeah, so uh, he sends me a picture of, he goes, oh, check it out, I'm, I'm doing a, a, a new engine, and uh, sends me a picture of a Duramax just sitting all dirty and grimy and i'm like in what you know in the uh, land cruiser i'm like that's gonna be a lot of work yeah a lot of work does it fit is the engine bay big enough are you having a dent out the uh the the, the insides of <laughs> yeah, the no, fenders nothing going stuff? from like, something that was originally designed for straight six to go right. to a big old dumb v8 Whew. my wife wants to keep it a diesel and i didn't want to do the cummins or import another diesel engine from japan and Duramax is slightly taller than an LS, and everybody's swapping LSs in these Land Cruisers. So yeah, they're like, nice. Why not LS swap swaps. a Duramax? Uh, yeah. Brian at Goose Gear has a real nice uh, um, small block uh, LS swapped, same vintage as yours, also blue. See, I think what happened is he got done with Lockjaw, and he goes, "I can do that again. I can, I can, yeah. I can fit a Duramax in anything." Oh, now. you mean after he was done pulling the uh, the uh, nails and in, in great out of his eyes and all the blood and <laughs> yes. healed, he forgot about uh-huh. how bad it was, yes. and he decided he would got it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, well, I was lucky. I didn't have to do any of the wiring on Lockjaw. <laughs> True. You're right. You got off easy. Although you are getting it back potentially, and you're going to have to strip the damn truck apart and help us paint it and put it back together for SEMA. Although we have. Yeah, we're looking that, forward uh, for that yeah. one. All right. <laughs> well, did I sense a sarcasm in yeah, your voice? A little sarcasm there. But uh, no, I think he <laughs> wants to see it actually on the road. I think he does. Yeah, I want to see it done. I want to see it actually drive. And out There's of no your actual videos of it, other than like pulling into the one parking lot. And he doesn't and want to ever dying. boomeranging back into his shop. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, if it does come back into my shop after this, it might not leave with the motor. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's got a Land Cruiser with a uh, with a need a supercharged Duramax in it. Yeah, he has asked for an engine so many times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, we had a little uh, what do you call it? A failure to launch on our turnkey engine program. So far, that engine is a, a one of one. So far. So far. So far, yes. All right, Mr. Sean Ramage of Empire Fabrication. If you uh, need custom metal fabrication, don't call him because he's too busy. <laughs> or, he'll, or, or he'll refer you to his friend Josh, who's also too busy. <laughs> All, right. All right, Sean. You're the man. Thank you. See you, buddy. All right. All right. You guys have a good night. Bye. 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 Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. That's truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. If you happen to have a LeVan flex through window on your wall, take a picture and email it to us. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. And if you want to catch up with us, hit us up on our socials at LBC Lightning, at Sean P. Holman, at Truck Show Podcast. And we have not heard from you guys very much lately. Please give us a call on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105, and leave us a message. What's on your mind? Do you need somebody to talk to late at night while you're lonely? Maybe your truck's in the shop and <laughs> you just need uh, you need a little pick-me-up. Just just call the five-star hotline. Let us know what uh, what we can do for you. The uh, listeners of the Truck Show Podcast love to hear from you and give you a little support and love while you're missing your loved one. Is that weird? Yeah, you're making them sound all depressed. It's like they're on antidepressants. Or if you're super happy because you got your truck back from the shop after a really gnarly uh, swap, then uh, call us up and let us know. You know what I want to hear, Holman? I want them to call 657-205-6105 and tell us what new truck they just bought. You just bought something. I know we have a big-ass audience, and some of you guys just bought brand-new trucks. Tell us about it. What did you buy and why? Truck Show Podcast. 657-205-6105 is a five-star hotline. Call us, won't you? And if you're looking for a truck to buy, head on down to your local Nissan dealer where you can uh, check out the hot-selling 
Nissan Frontier midsize truck, or you can step up to the uh, slightly bigger and then even more bigger. I think that's mo, bad bad mo, grammar. Mo bigger, mo bigger. Uh, Titan and Titan XD offering the industry's best five year, one hundred thousand mile warranty. Great trucks, reliable, dependable, priced well. A lot of value there. A lot of capability. We're a big fan of Nissan, and uh, Nissan supports the Truck Show podcast. But on the flip side, if your truck blows, like if it's just slow to get out of the hole, you can grow a beard faster than you get up to 60, you need a Banks Pedal Monster. It's the smartest, safest throttle controller on the market. It's the only throttle controller with reverse safety. It's the only throttle controller with active safety. It's the only throttle controller with low-speed adjustable trim, all because it's the only one that plugs into your OBD port! That's why, Holman. And where can I find out if you've got something for my car or truck? Bankspower.com. Type in your year, make, and model for the best throttle controller experience of your life. All right. We're all about best here on the Truck Show Podcast. And uh, one of our favorite products is the Bilstein Shock. So whether you've got a, a, a clapped out old truck that's in need of some new dampers, or you've got a new truck and you just don't like the cheap shocks that came on from the factory, you want to head over to BillsteinUS.com. You can also enter your year, make, model and see all the options. Everything from a monotube smooth body, non-reservoir direct replacement shock to something with bypass tubes or extended length to uh, replace whatever crappy rusted out white shocks came on your uh, cheesy lift kit. Uh, Why are the crappy ones always white? Uh, because one manufacturer made them and private labeled them for everybody. Schmun schmo? Nah, there's a few. Of, yeah, there's actually a couple of manufacturers. Yeah. I mean, they're cheap and they worked well and uh, is, everybody is, used them. Is white paint the cheapest color? Yeah, probably. Okay. There's no dye in it. There's no pigment. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, listen, I run Bill Stein's on all my rides. Uh, Lightning loves his on his TRX. They make a great shock. It's really hard to beat the performance and ride comfort. You get both. Again, BillsteinUS.com. And you know what's better than being lost out in the desert or the forest or the backcountry? Not being lost out in the desert, forest, or backcountry. So if you don't want to be one of those people that is uh, wandering around aimlessly because you made a wrong left turn and three rights and you lost your way. And you ran out of gas. <laughs> and you Well, this won't help you water. run out of gas. <laughs> well, I guess it will if it keeps you on the right track. Listen, head over to uh, onxoffroad.com where you can uh, subscribe to one of the best mapping apps out there. Uh, Lightning and I use it for our adventures. I use it for uh, trail guiding and I build out all my trips on my laptop and they magically appear across all devices, whether it's my iPad or my iPhone. Onyx Maps are the off-road map app built for adventure. You can discover off-road trails. Say if you're going to a new place, you need a place to go. You want to find out who owns the land you're on top of. You can customize it with markups. and. Wait, this could keep me from getting shot? Uh, yeah. You, I mean, <laughs> if you ended up on Farmer John's uh, Back 40, he mm-hmm. may not like it. It's, so. uh, dude, it's worth <laughs> its weight in gold. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you can save maps for offline use. If you don't have a cell signal, you can track, save, and share your trips. And, of course, syncs with CarPlay and Android Auto. There's not a better mapping app out there for your next adventure. Head over to onyxoffroad.com or the Apple or Google stores. We can download the app directly to your device. All right, that's a wrap. Truck Show Podcast number 3,284. Uh, in minutes? No, I just I have no idea how many this is. <laughs> it's uh, What are we at? 280-ish? Yeah, I think we're mm-hmm. like, no, it's closer to 300, I think, if you include all of our SEMA episodes and such. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot of time. I mean, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take another drink because uh, doing that many episodes with you is trying. All right, I'm going to suck down this last one over here. Mm. Uh, and so oh, yeah. thanks to uh, Dirty Prospector mm. for uh, donating this bottle to uh, to the cause and making the show hopefully a little bit better. Do you need me to go by and uh, go by and get you some? I'm going to buy another bottle. This is literally some of the best whiskey I've ever had. If you had to guess, what does it run? A I, I don't know. No, no, no idea. 
Would you guess that this is a $60 bottle? Probably. Okay. But it's also craft and niche and all that stuff, so who knows? Hmm. All I know is it is freaking delicious. That's good. It's a lot better than our show, I'll tell you that. Uh, But it could make our show better. Mm, I doubt it. Yeah, probably not. Nope. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast. I don't drink whiskey to be better than everybody. I drink whiskey because I am better than everybody. I love bourbon because of how smooth it is. (laughs) What is this, only age for two years? Get this toddler out of here.